Welcome to the Retail Media Insights podcast series, where we will take a deep dive into the fast-changing retail media ecosystem. Together, we will delve into new technologies, innovative strategies, and essential mental models that will make us smarter about this space. We will hear perspectives from retail ad tech companies, retail media networks, and advertisers. I'm your host, Keshav, and you can follow my perspectives on retail media through my Retail Media Insights newsletter. My guest today is Tim Norris-Wiles, who leads international growth for Habu, a leading data collaboration software provider. Tim has 15 years of experience in ad tech, martech, and data, having previously led businesses like MParticle and Crux in their expansion into the EMEA region. In this episode, we discuss questions such as why is the adoption of data clean rooms higher in the US than Europe? What are the three different types of data clean rooms and what is that related concept of interoperability? What is Habu's proposition in this space? How should we understand the activation solution provided by data clean room companies? What are the challenges in the way of using a clean room solution for retailers and marketeers? And a whole lot more. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kishore. Very nice to have you join us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. You've been very busy recently, Tim, uh, traveling around quite a lot for various um, road shows. Uh, tell us where all have you been and which have been the most exciting uh, road shows to be part of? Yeah, you're right. We have been on the trail for sure. That's a mixture of our own events, but also attending some great industry events. I think we'd probably say the most exciting thing recently was DMEXCO in uh, Germany. Given this is a retail media podcast, it was super exciting actually to see the presence of retail media on the trade floor. Uh, the big guns, you know, Schwartz Media Group, your rivers out there really, really representing themselves. And I'd say picking up from where the publishers maybe have retreated at that show for the last few years. So that was Awesome to be there last week. Yeah, I've heard fantastic things about Demexco this year with a big focus on retail media. Yeah, I think that the, the, the retailer's presence is one thing. I think it's the conversations you get to have there when people in private tell you some of the challenges they're facing. That's the most interesting piece. And, you know, I've read a lot of your great posts recently, Kashav, about things like the pile into offsite media. And that was a huge discussion. Um at uh, Demexco this year, I think there's actually perhaps some underlying concerns that people don't talk about in public around offsite, lack of inventory and CTV, rising costs. And for me, it was just brilliant to be able to speak to those people and have those frank conversations and really chew the fat on how you might be able to solve them. That's wonderful to hear. Tim, tell us a bit about yourself and especially how you got into Habu to lead their business in, uh, in EMEA. Yeah, w weirdly, I feel like the conversation started about 15 years ago. I've been in the industry for a while. Uh, there is a logical progression to Harbu in this world of data clean rooms and data collaboration. And when I first started out in ad tech, in ad serving, the core of, of ad delivery, I was lucky enough after my time in ad serving to move to a DMP called Crux, a data management platform, which was pretty popular. Mm. And the team that founded Crux is is partially the team that's founded uh, Harbour as well. So I did know the founders oh. and we have a bit of history, a bit of pedigree, if you will. I didn't jump straight from Crux to Harbour. I actually was lucky enough to launch a business called MParticle in Europe after Crux was sold to Salesforce and that's a customer data platform. And so I think 
Mm. The lineage is really there, Kishav, in the sense that we go from selling just placements and impressions to audiences to the rise of first-party data with the customer data platform. And now with Harbour, we're talking about this world of second-party and secure kind of permissioned data sharing. And it just feels very logical to me as a lineage. Mm, Yeah, I I didn't know the long history of connections there. (laughs) Tell us about the origins of Habul. How did it start? What was the one problem or solution it decided would tackle? And how has it grown from there to where it is right now and the range of solutions it provides today? Yeah, so I mentioned before that some of the founders from from Crux were the founders of Habul. Uh, Mike mm. and, and Matt, the uh, the co-founders, were seeing some really huge secular trends whilst they were at Salesforce for really big publishers and retailers and advertisers that things like them becoming increasingly data rich, the rising tide of privacy and regulation, and this much vaunted deprecation of things like cookies and device IDs by players like Google. And in reality, it was just a case that solving for many of those challenges, Kashav, needed a complete mm. rethink, right? We couldn't just patch up some legacy systems and, and hope for the best. And so what was cool, I think Matt and Mike, instead of resting on their laurels, they, they jumped from Salesforce and founded Harbu to really dig in 100% on those challenges. Um, where we are now and what we offer, we're a Series B funded company. We've raised just over $40 million and we're super lucky actually to have some very high profile investors in the business, people like Wing Capital, uh, Norwest, Snowflake Ventures, of course. And we, we don't take that lightly. We, we think we have a huge opportunity to uh, build something incredible with their support. That's fascinating. It's also great that your founders have had that previous experience where they've actually seen firsthand the kind of challenges the industry is going to face. Um, what is Habu doing today? What kind of solutions and problems is it tackling? And would you say it is in the same class of data clean rooms, which is now burgeoning as a solution provider? So Harbu in reality is like an it's end-to-end software to help companies to make sense of, to simplify and to scale their use of data clean rooms. Now, data clean rooms itself is perhaps something of a misnomer because you envision this physical place, you envision a room where everybody kind of comes together it's not really like that. We'll roll with the term though, because at the end of the day, the industry's picked it up. A clean room, as opposed to a place, is really a way in which we can enable two or more parties that have data or have a need to work together to join their data in a secure way, but to do so in a very decentralized way. And also to make sure that neither party actually has to show their hand, right? Kind of hand mm. over any information or move their data to somewhere they're not comfortable with. So, you know, to tie off on our role in it, I say we're a software layer. Think of us as being a bit like an operating system for clean rooms, right? Habu comes bundled with the apps and tools that make using these things productive. Because at the end of the day, Kishav, like I never met a marketer who sat mm. at a terminal or a command line and was able to do these really complicated things we're being asked to do without having some kind of productivity layer on top. It's interesting you talk about the notion of a clean room, uh, because even though these days I think clean rooms have become uh, more well-known, when I had started work, and this is uh, more than a decade back, I used to be an economics consultant in antitrust economics. And sometimes when parties would merge, 
you want to see the overlap in customers. And the only way you could do it is only economic consultants were allowed along with the regulators, but they would literally put a room with 10 computers and right. the regulators would store the data there. You had to come into that room and that was the only way you would get access to parties of both companies. You talk about yourself as a software that enables data collaboration, various other use cases for marketeers. Tell me about three or four key problems in which marketeers are using Harbour today. Yeah, I think one of the things that's definitely interesting about our approach is that we're not just working with one type of customer. So we're not just a publisher-based system where we're here to sign up media brands and then kind of build a closed network around them. We're working with all kinds of companies. We have companies like Activision, PepsiCo, retailers like Kroger, incredibly large data owners like LinkedIn, and even ad tech platforms like Equative out of France or L'Oreal on the CPG side. And I think that gives us a very unique lens in terms of some of the different use cases. And so when we think about the types of use cases, they massively vary depending on who you are. So hmm. for a RMN like Kroger and 8451, they want to securely unlock their consumer data asset, all of the loyalty data they have. And hmm. those guys typically have a few layers to that. It's insights. That's the, the entry point for most of these suppliers and CPGs and agencies. But increasingly, we see that as their on-site and off-site media ambitions grow, they want to be able to bring mm. supplier data into the mix to fuel targeting, to fuel measurement. And there's money-making angle there for sure around high margin media. I think one of the most fascinating areas of kind of use case growth is actually on the CPG side itself, where we're seeing some CPGs license clean room tech and say, well, why don't I build a clean room with a partner? So we've been blessed to have Pepsi as a early backer of us, and we've done some fascinating work with them. And you know, their data science team has been going to market and building clean rooms with retailers, taking the initiative in key markets where perhaps third party data is not so prevalent and they want to derive insights from someone who has it and train models with those retailers. And then the last one on there would be, you know, we mentioned Equative and there's this kind of rising interest from ad tech players themselves. So how do we enable ad tech platforms to embed data collaboration into their existing products so that they can provide their monetization capabilities as they always have done to that kind of mid and long tail, but bring clean rooms to the mid and long tail as well. So that's a really exciting area too. So Tim, you, you mentioned a bit about 8451 Kroger in the US as one of your clients. Do you tend to see a lot more partnerships in the US than in other parts of the world? And if so, why is the adoption of data clean rooms higher in the US? So, yeah, from our perspective, maybe it's a little bit uh, biased because we're a US-based company. So a lot of our success at Harbu has been in that market, which is obviously huge, probably the biggest for, for retail media. Um, we're proud to work with Kroger, but we also have companies like Target Roundel and Best Buy who are using us and increasingly actually large quick commerce companies now coming in to work with us. But Obviously, there's people doing it in Europe as well. It's just that we're newer to this market. We see great signals that the uh, European retailers are ready to jump in, actually, with, with, with platforms like ours. Uh, I'd love to actually get your mm. thoughts on that one, Kishar. Why do you think that is? You were on the, uh, the other side. 
Yeah, from an RMN perspective, the, the commercial value is more the bigger your scale uh, of audience you have. I think which naturally lends itself much better to US because US just operates at a phenomenally different audience scale than a more fragmented retail landscape in Europe. Uh, and therefore, when you put a business case forward of the licensing costs of clean rooms and the immediate business case you're going to make out of it, I think it just stacks up very quickly for any US RMN of reasonable scale. Also, US RMN is a bit more advanced, so they've already trialed a few things, whereas Europe RMNs are catching up on just the retail media business and they end up having things they want to do on their website. And I think in that list, they're starting to think about clean rooms, but definitely I think a lot of them still need more guidance on how clean rooms can help them. Yeah, I think you're spot on talking about scale. I think the size of the price in the US is just phenomenally high. And so it's a very easy calculation to make about doubling down on the whole retail media stack. And I think the other thing you said that's key there's many pieces to the retail media stack that you need to kind of work on. Things like on-site and launching a sponsored uh, product and sponsored brand solution is often step one, right? And that requires mm. some steps to go through. In some cases, if you step outside of the uh, kind of big five European markets, you'll find retailers who want to do retail media, but they haven't even configured an ad server yet. They're still kind of hard coding creative, delivering reports as PDFs. And I think like that's nothing wrong with that. It just talks to perhaps the maturity of their stack. And it's incumbent on companies like Habu to bring the kind of like barriers down around clean rooms. Yeah, I'm going to put another challenge and I'm going to ask you about it. There's been some growth from a vendor perspective in this space, right? So you have yourselves increasingly in Europe, you, you hear a lot about other players as well, like an Infosum, a live ramp. Most recently, the market's also heard about Apps Flyer in, in the data clean room guide from IAB. And from a retailer who, who, by the way, are not pure tech companies, so it takes them some time to actually understand what's the tech behind this and how are they differentiated. Um, how, would, how would you say Habu is differentiated from any of the clean rooms in this space? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I'd actually add to that list. You mentioned a bunch of like independent vendors who are doing clean rooms, but let's face it, we've also got to talk about AWS clean rooms, Snowflake clean rooms, Databricks as a clean room product, um, Google BigQuery clean rooms. And so I think there's there's two sides to this. There's obviously a massive validation happening of data clean rooms as a technical capability and category, which is great. But there's also this explosion and confusion that comes from that around which one do I choose and which flavor. Um, the, other, the other couple, you know, that are out there, things like Amazon's marketing cloud clean room, Google's ads data hub clean room. You know, selfishly, this is great for Havu. Like we actually made a call on this a while back that the, the kind of core underlying capability to join data securely probably ends up being a broadly available feature of these big cloud stacks. And so if we acknowledge that, mm. that joining data securely kind of is part of a feature set of, let's say Google Cloud or Snowflake, then, you know, what, what does the independent clean room vendor need to be doing? What's our kind of role in all of this? And I think it's partly packaging all of those things up as more of a software layer that marketers can use, that's part of it, but it's also around interoperability. Just because a retailer XYZ made a choice to be on cloud ABC doesn't mean the CPG is going to be on that same place or same clean room. So someone has to start building a more neutral, more interoperable layer for this new world, because otherwise it's going to get way too complicated way too quickly. And that's 
very much part of our focus at Harvey, right? So I don't know if you know this, Kishar, but we actually have APIs and like apps that plug in to all of those cloud cleaning patterns, to all of those prepackaged cleanings like AMC or, or Ads Data Hub. And we see that as being incredibly important for really the, the brand and agency side, first and foremost. Because if you think about what they're facing, like let's look at global CPG or a global agency, right? Even though they operate locally in many cases, the global strategy teams and data teams are being faced with potentially hundreds of individual, completely unique clean rooms on the table that they're going to need to work with from different vendors, perhaps different cloud patterns. It's going to get too much for them without some kind of productivity layer. And so one of the cool things that we've been seeing with some of our customers is that we're now plugged in via our software to upwards of eight clean rooms. And in some cases, none of them are Habu as the clean room. We're not like, you know, bringing data to us. We're helping them to thrive in this world of decentralized query, of decentralized data access and garner insights from all kinds of cool places, including our media and data customers. So that's super exciting. Tim, you mentioned three types of clean room providers. You have media companies that have their clean rooms like Amazon, AMC, or Google Ads Data Hub. Then you mentioned a second category, which is clean rooms operated by cloud companies. So you mentioned Snowflake, Google, etc. there. And then you spoke about independent clean rooms whose purpose is empowering some layer of software productivity, whether it's querying, etc., or actually just helping match data sets together. If you look at the first iteration of these media clean rooms, Amazon's cleaning, you could just ask questions. You just write a query and get some really interesting insights back about who bought what, when. Yeah. I think the retailers are going to do quite well out of that themselves if they want to allow the CPGs to have a, an insight seat where they can ask these questions. But the lack of a front end for those early cleaners is a massive bottleneck in terms of actual productivity and adoption. So we set out to build the application layer on top of something like Amazon's marketing cloud just because of that, right? Coming back to my point around fragmentation, one of the things we really believe is that by having as many bridges into as many of these places as possible, we are going to solve a big part of the fragmentation challenge by providing a unified front-end experience, a place where you know, the analytics team can be comfortable. It's just that we solve for that, that kind of big productivity challenge that exists. Yeah, now I'm going to ask you, question specific to independent and cloud clean rooms. Uh, so as a retailer, let's say I'm using Google's BigQuery cloud, um, and let's say the marketeer is on Snowflakes. Is it fair to say then that the independent clean rooms, which are interoperable and can work across two different providers, that's where the use case comes. It can connect two people with data who are using two different cloud providers. Yeah. Speaking from Habu's perspective, I can tell you that that's what we're doing. It's great that all of these clouds are kind of plowing into ad tech and there's a logical reason, right? The data lives in the cloud. And as we increasingly can't move it, it makes sense for, for the connectivity to be there between these warehouses, but they're frightfully complicated and they're technical environments, right? And if we look at the difference between a data management platform and, and trying to build a clean room natively on a cloud, it's, it's worlds apart, <laughs> I think the independent players coming in and simplifying and providing a UI and making them more usable, definitely. But the other piece around probability, I mean, 
many of those cloud cleaning patterns are really designed to work within their own four walls. And I think that's the point you were making. AWS Cleanrooms is a great capability, but it's S3 to S3. And the reality of collaboration is you don't get to choose where people's data is. And I think we see examples, Kishav, where a um, retailer is just not going to be willing to move their data into an Amazon environment for obvious reasons. And so we think there's a hugely important role to play for a neutral party in amongst all of this technology that's becoming way more available and way more kind of accessible. And we want to be that player, right? And and, and make uh, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, who cares? What's the underlying cloud source? It doesn't matter. We can make it work. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's su- super helpful. What you've said has already unpacked a few things. As Habu, your value prop seems like as a marketing person, you provide a nice, simple UI where I can query data as much as I want without having to write code as an example. And then second, being the partner that connects to all the different cloud services and media clean rooms means as a central place, I can have access to data with with other parties that have completely different infrastructure to what I have. Yes. Yeah. And that's really unique to us. We definitely get bundled in with the other guys, you know, like mentioned InfoSum, LiveRamp, AppsFlyer, they're all great companies and I think they'll have their own approach. Um, we are so much broader, we're so much more of an open um, kind of approach to integration and, and the types of things you want to do. We find that a specific type of enterprise customer really leans into that and it does differentiate us from the others because it's just stuff that they're not, you know, not doing. Yeah. Last part of this interoperability, are you also interoperable with other clean rooms? As a retailer, let's say I go with Habu, and that's another retailer who puts their audience with one of the other vendors. PNG comes and says, I want to activate audiences of both retailers that sit in two different independent clean rooms. Can you make that work? Yeah, I actually think we can. Um, I don't think it's talked about much in the market about independent clean rooms being interoperable, but at the end of the day, if we perform a join in our platform, we get something interesting out. There's, there's two typical kind of outcomes. You're either going to be producing analysis and insights, or we need to generate some kind of list, right? Uh, a list of IDs that belong to the media owner, perhaps, that are going to get pushed back to, to their own tools. And you know, if someone's got a different clean room, that clean room accepts lists. So I don't think we need to make it much more complicated than the fact that we can probably handshake and, and put the data somewhere. Um, to make it work. I think where it will get complicated downstream will be will be measurement. Like if there's translation between the different clean rooms and the different ID spaces, I, I think there's a risk of, of things getting lost along the way there. But what you're now seeing, Kashav, is that big players like Google are coming in and saying, well, actually, I think I have a solution for this. You've got things like Google Pair, P-A-I-R. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but uh, for the uninitiated, yeah. it stands for Publisher, Advertiser, Identity, Reconciliation. What a mouthful. <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool. They're saying, look, I've got my own encryption protocol that everybody can subscribe to. And as long as you're a pair compatible clean room, don't translate it into your own proprietary code. Like, use mine and I'll handle key rotation and we can work with any SSP. And so, look, I think, long story short, we're exiting an era where these things operated as islands. And much more getting to a place where publishers who have previously said they're all in on one clean room, they're going to be available via their SSP through a different means. That's kind of dying this, this notion of pure exclusivity, shall we say. Yeah, I think it's a rapid evolution in this space. 
marketers, I think I've had this issue for a long time. When they spend on Amazon, when they spend on Facebook, when they spend on Google, even though within each channel they get good level of attribution and good level of campaign management, like frequency capping, they've struggled to get good cross-channel attribution and cross-channel frequency capping. Given you have partnerships with these media clean rooms and your clean rooms are connected with Amazon AMC or with Google Ads Data Hub, is this kind of capability something you can provide where you can do cross-channel attribution, cross-channel frequency capping, etc.? Yeah, we are we are kind of delving deep into that world right now with some of the largest advertisers and agencies in the world, actually. So, I mean, that's the, the holy grail, let's be clear. If you can find a way to, across systems that are designed not to talk to each other, get enough signal that you can make decisions based on things that are happening in the other, I think that's super cool. To be really clear, these clean rooms are all designed to not be interoperable. That's for security reasons, right? So I can ask a question of AMC or, or Facebook, but the results that come out are locked down and they can't be deduped. But increasingly, they're enhancing their capabilities, these clean rooms. They're allowing for data upload. You can bring your own taxonomy or schema, campaign information, and that does allow for a degree of normalization across these clean rooms, which is quite exciting. We have one customer a very large games publisher, and they sell tons of product through all kinds of channels. We've got to a point now where with their agency, we have uh, cross clean rooms, certainly aggregations that are being pulled out with their own dimensionality applied to them, which is pretty cool. And I do wonder, actually, if at some point, you know, the bigger uh, suppliers and CPGs are going to start wanting the same thing from retailers. Yeah, the halo effect of an ad across other retailers um, for that you also need retailers to provide data in a way where you can do cross retailer attribution one of the use cases we discussed in briefly activation um, i think this is a concept that confused some rmns what does it actually mean does it mean the advertiser can come into habu and actually set up a campaign where of course they choose the audience but they can also upload their creatives choose their bid targets their budgets, etc. Can they actually build that campaign? And then Habu, through APIs, activates that across different ad tech providers like a trade desk or a meta? No, is the uh, the answer. We, we're not in a, certainly Habu's not in the business of creative management, campaign definition. I think, frankly, Kishav, like the, the, the challenges and the work that's on our table just around secure data matching is, is so big and so important anyway that we really want to focus and nail that piece. And so what you see today is that really the cleanroom platform hands off to another system or another API. And so maybe it's like pushing back to an on-site ad server or pushing back to a walled garden that has an API for, for the IDs. And then that particular audience that you're interested in, that you've matched, essentially is used as the targeting ingredient within the campaign management tool or DSP that we're, that we're interfacing with. I see. So you basically go into your channel of choice for advertising and you can select audiences, which the clean room in the background is actually powering through. Exactly. There's huge value in that in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Some retailers that don't use clean rooms have seen how that goes through. They basically create lists every time for every campaign, which is a huge admin task. Uh, and if you're doing that once for one channel, but then you have to do that for all the channels you're activating. Uh, so uh, yeah, pro from a scale perspective, I think clean rooms provide an amazing proposition where audiences can be activated at scale. A couple of final questions for you, Tim. What is stopping all retailers today 
from adopting a clean room solution? Yeah, you mentioned some of them earlier, actually, Kishab. I put my European hat on. For one, there's scale and trying to work out whether or not now's the right time to press the button on this based on that scale option. That's the first one. Perhaps there's been a conception that clean rooms are expensive and going to be a heavy lift, and, and therefore that, I think, further exacerbates that problem in some of the smaller markets where they think, I'm not sure now's the right time. I, I think that's going to change pretty rapidly. Talking about the arrival of some of these alternatives for how you could build a clean room in the clouds necessarily means that this space is way more validated, but also that barriers to entry are coming down, barriers to testing are coming down. We're going to see a lot more retailers adopt clean rooms one way or another. The other thing is, frankly, that in retail, like these businesses are still quite challenged just from a macro perspective. Like you look at what's going on with the economy and, and that plays into it being really important that companies like us find ways to help people get in at the ground floor. For sure, yeah. Do you see any different challenges when you speak to brands, marketers, in terms of them using a data clean room solution? Yeah, I, I do actually. They're being asked to sign up for lots of these bespoke clean rooms in some cases and pay quite substantial sums of money. There's a question around whether or not they already pay with the media that they're spending, right? This comes back to some of the Gen 1s, the first iteration of clean rooms. They're quite closed networks. They require everybody to buy the thing and be all in on that. And it's created friction. You speak to the largest holding companies, you speak to the largest CPGs, and they're like, wow, I'm being asked to pay for like nine seats for nine different geographies for this thing. And that's, it's going to hold back adoption. And we don't believe it has to be that way. We're entering a world where perhaps if a retailer wants to build a product, wants to monetize that product, they should be able to guest in the CPG. The other piece I'd add, Kishav, is agencies. Agencies have recognized that they need to step up and not get kind of sidelined on this one with the CPGs going direct to the retailers and them not having a hand in this because they're one of their biggest customers. Agencies are about to jump head on in to retail media as relates to clean rooms. And I do think they'll wield the collective spending power of their customers and do some interesting stuff to, to really drive utilization and adoption. Yeah. And I mean, from an activation perspective, given they're usually more advanced than brands, I would imagine they become the powerhouse of initial users. Uh, just to close off them, where do you see the next few opportunities for data collaboration using data, data clean rooms? There's some really exciting opportunities outside of just like baseline CRM to CRM. We're going to see big advancements in clean rooms over the next 12 months around geospatial data. It's inherently more privacy compliant because it doesn't relate to an individual, it relates to spaces. So you're seeing things like H3, if you've ever heard of that, it's a uh, type of uh, geospatial indexing. We're seeing that increasingly be talked about by agencies. I also think that around modeling, so the ability for us to take all these cool pipes that we're building and this amazing stuff we just talked about, Kishav, and instead of just, you know, hey, how many of my customers live in your customer set? How do we actually like create a flywheel here? So amazing transaction data, bring ACPG's a, a propensity modeling and have those two things be feeding off each other in a secure way, which drives custom bidding algorithms. We're seeing some interesting stuff around updating propensity models and, and informing a CPG with fresh data, as opposed to kind of four old aggregate data they got from some broker. Last one I would put on the table is non-endemic advertisers as well. 
we talked a heck of a lot just now about the obvious stuff, the fact that maybe a PNG or a Unilever worked with a retailer. But grocers and big retailers have some of the most scaled, most well-lit data sets on consumers in general. How do we get automotive at the table? How do we get financial services at the table is a really exciting question to be asking and something we're definitely uh, uh, going to see a lot more of. Um, thank you so much for joining and giving so much details and clarity on the very complex clean room landscape. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show, Kishaf. 